turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Watch 4 o'clock, National Brownie Day. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Hey, I just want to let you know that we are uh, streaming, and you can find us at wordfm.com or, of course, the Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You can see what we look like. Uh, today, I look like uh, Humphrey Bogart. Kath looks like Lauren Bacall. Oh, how it is! So kind of you to say. I take that as a high compliment, John. Yeah, thank you. Listen, Kath, let's get underway for the Tuesday show, please. As always, won't you give us the top four at four? All right, John, Mike, for Tuesday, December eighth, number one. The UK became the first Western country to start distributing a COVID-19 vaccine to its population and rolling out a mass inoculation program, so says today's Wall Street Journal. Less than a week after Britain granted emergency use authorization for the two-dose vaccine developed by Pfizer and Germany's BioNTech, the first people began to receive it across the UK today. Those over 80 years old, nursing home workers, and other high-risk healthcare staff were at the front of the line, a group estimated to number six million. Number two. Here at home, the U.S. FDA has given the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine a positive review, setting the stage for a decision allowing the vaccine's use here within days. But here's how a vaccine gets final approval here in the U.S. And I'm reading here from the AP story. Listen, I'd never heard this before. On Thursday, the FDA will convene what is essentially a science court that will debate in public and also live streamed just how strong the data backing the shots really is. And anybody can attend this hearing virtually. That public vetting is considered key to bolstering confidence in the shots ahead of what's expected to be the largest vaccination effort in U.S. history. A panel of independent scientists will pick apart the FDA's first pass review before recommending whether the vaccine appears safe and effective enough for millions of Americans. The FDA typically follows the committee's advice, and if it gives the green light, the first recipients would be healthcare workers and nursing home residents, according to plans laid out by each state. The Pfizer BioNTech vaccine is one of several in the pipeline being tested, including the vaccine by Moderna and the NIH. Number three. Looks like we'll be seeing fewer of the self-driving SUV testers around the Strip District area because Uber is getting out of the self-driving car business, John. The Trib reports that Uber is turning over its operations to Aurora, a San Francisco startup with Pittsburgh ties and a deal that includes the technology and employees of the Advanced Tech Group, which for several years has used Pittsburgh as its testing ground. Though Aurora is based in Silicon Valley, its chief tech officer is a Carnegie Mellon professor who lives and works here in Pittsburgh, the New York Times reports. 
Aurora will apparently put self-driving passenger vehicles on the back burner for the time being, though, according to the Times. Its priority? Larger vehicles, particularly long-haul trucks. And number four, last evening was not the prettiest Steeler football we've seen this year. In fact, it was pretty awful. And brought to a crashing halt the undefeated season we'd all been enjoying. Key injuries, COVID exposures, the lack of a running game, and dropped balls all contributed to the 23-17 loss to the Washington football team. Quote, they can catch the ball or they can get replaced by those who will catch it. Coach Mike Tomlin said at his noon presser today, it's as simple as that. And that is your top four at four. Well, there's a lot to digest in today's top four at four, isn't there? Okay, so yeah, they did not look like they were Super Bowl bound from yesterday's no. game, did they not? Yeah. Definitely not. That was a very ugly performance. Yeah, I mean, when you're watching, you know, other teams play Kansas City, you think, man, that's a team. Cleveland looked great on Sunday mm-hmm. as well. Steelers, not so much. No. So, mm-hmm. all right, I mean, glad they that's lost. That's okay though. I right? mean, it's not like it's the end. It's not like you no, know, the playoffs start next week. No, no. And to me, that monkey's off their back. Who yeah. wants to, you know, go I wasn't undefeated? interested. Were you interested no. in the under? I didn't care about that. No, Who cares? Not, no. Okay. okay, let's go back. I, I'm curious about this, um, the COVID and uh, England. And our very, very meticulous response with the science court. So a 91-year-old woman today was the first person uh, vaccinated um, in England. She said she felt privileged to do so, which is excellent. They're up and running. And uh, it looks as though we're still a good chunk of ways away, three weeks, maybe a month or more. Well, I don't know exactly what the timing is going to look like, but I have to say I was really geeked out to read what the process is in America. And you know what? The process, John, is so very American. One of the great things about our country is that we deserve that the people need to be involved in everything that's going on. And so that's how this vaccine approval is going to look. So seriously, if you are available Thursday at 9 a.m., you can get online and you can watch this science court happen. I mean, you can watch history unfold just from the privacy of your own phone. Right. So can we press little heart emojis or some mad faces? I don't know if they're taking, thing? Are they doing that? The Facebook thing? But, well, you, even now you can submit your questions. Hmm. Um, you can get in the queue or you can submit questions as it's going along. There are all sorts of, you know, different parameters. It's a very long website. If you go to the FDA um, that kind of shows you exactly how Thursday is going to work and how you can submit your questions or concerns or whatever it is that you want to say about the vaccine. All right, good. Well, I'm all for it in a country that we still can't even agree on masks or not. This should be an interesting assignment as we move forward. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back. Uh, Our first guest from the UK and the BBC, Sheridan Voisey, is with us. The question for today is, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? That's a big question. Mm. That's next. The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. One hundred one point five WORD. Doctor Michael Youssef. It is God who's always reaching to us, and if you are frantically trying to get God to do this or that for you, my advice for you is chill out and realize that God is saying to every one of us, "Be still and know that I am God." 
Learn more this week on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm Kathy Emmons. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. Or go to MarleyFG.com. Are you interested in helping others in human service agencies or people with addiction? Or do you want to help others through private practice counseling? Waynesburg University has an accredited counseling program for you. Waynesburg offers both a Master of Arts in Counseling degree as well as a Ph.D. in Counselor Education and Supervision. As the only K-CREP accredited addictions counseling program in the state, Waynesburg can help you grow your career in the counseling profession. To learn more, visit waynesburg.edu. Applications are still being accepted for the fall semester. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Send wishes of joy and love to those on your mind and heart this season with free online cards at CrossCards.com. It only takes a minute to personalize and send a CrossCards.com e-card that will brighten the holiday season for family and friends. From scripture-inspired cards to heartfelt messages, even party invitations, CrossCards.com makes it easy to let others know you're thinking about them this Christmas. Celebrate the most wonderful time of the year with free cards at CrossCards.com. Election fraud, radical abortion rights, open borders, riots in our streets, and regime changes in other nations. Meet George Soros, an atheist and one of the most dangerously influential people in America, pouring millions of dollars into the leftist agenda, instigating society's demoralization to control a free people and destroy the foundations of Christianity and our constitutional order. Watch the new film, Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com. See the movie that George Soros and the far left don't want you to see. Learn the truth and prepare to be shocked. Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com for just $9.99 or buy the DVD for just $12.99. Go to SalemNow.com and get 20% off with the promo code FAMILY. SalemNow.com, promo code FAMILY. Think back on your long life, and you wish you could, you know, whisper some things into your ear when you were a kid about to start off on your own adult adventure. Well, Sheridan Voisey is with us. Sheridan is a regular guest on our show. Sheridan's a writer, a broadcaster with an interest in what makes what makes life deeply worthwhile. Sheridan has written seven books. 
and he joins us right now to ask the question, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Sheridan, welcome back. Good to be with you, John. Good to be with you, Kathy. Yeah. Well, happy to see you, Sheridan. I mean, this is a big day in uh, the UK and in America. We were just before you got on, we're talking about the fact that the first doses of the, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine were dispensed in the UK today. Um, hopefully, this is the beginning of the end. How do you look at that? Yeah, it's great news, isn't it? Um, yes. And look, there's even a little bit more news here in the Voisey household because yeah. my wife, Merrin, has been the senior statistician on the the other vaccine, the Oxford uh, COVID vaccine. So, I mean, there's, there's kind of three main ones that are in the news right now. Uh, there's a the Pfizer one, the Moderna one, and then the Oxford uh, University vaccine in uh, relation with uh, AstraZeneca. And so she's been the senior statistician on that. And just, in fact, really only a couple of hours ago, the big research paper has been uh, released in the Lancet Medical Journal, which is one of the biggest medical journals uh, in the world. And so it's a very big, uh, you know, well, proud con- husband moment. Yes. Here, Congratulations I have to, say to, both to her you. and you both. <laughs> yes, it right. is. You know, and, you know, apart from the proud husband bit, the fact is that it, the results are wonderful. So mm. that's the thing. Oh, we are moving closer and closer to beating this thing which is just great news for everybody. Fabulous. So will you uh, celebrate by going out and getting the vaccine yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I'm more than happy to go and get the vaccine. Absolutely. In terms of celebrating it tonight, well, we haven't got that option yet. (laughs) And uh, I still don't know whether we're, uh, you know, what what my loyalties are when it comes to taking the the Pfizer one, but uh, I'm happy to wait. Yeah, right. You might have to hold hold out for the Oxford one just to prove your loyalty to your wife. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. That's good. All right. So Sheridan, uh, you posed this question about advice to a young mind. What advice would you give to your 17 year old self? You you came upon this. Why Um, have you been looking the past, you know, your life and musing about where you are? I had this surreal experience just only a couple of years ago. In fact, Uh, I, I was, I was sitting in my lounge and one moment there is 40 something year old me sitting in my lounge and there the next moment 40 something year old me is literally watching his 17 year old self in front of him just like that it had just happened and what had happened this this was a moment that i had remembered i had even replayed it in my mind numerous times but now there i saw it happening right before my very eyes it was replaying 17 year old sheridan was taking yes. part in a DJ competition. Uh, I kid you not. You probably don't. <laughs> I don't really. I don't really look like the kind of guy who this would be the case for. But um, no, I like this story. <laughs> Please, let's delve deeper. In my my late teens, early twenties, my my whole world before I became a Christian was nightclubs, and so I was kind of trying to find my life in being number one. I only had small aspirations here. I was going to be the best DJ in Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, that was my hometown. And then I would be the best in Australia. And then I'd probably just be the best in the world. That was my hopes. And I was taking part in a DJ competition, you know, kind of making my way up that kind of ladder of dreams, if you like. And so I hear I'm watching this happen before my eyes again, as a 40 something year old guy. Guys, what happened? It wasn't any, you know, silver DeLorean whisking me back to 1989. (laughs) It was no time machine involved. It turned out to be somebody had uploaded a video of that old DJ competition back in 1989, as grainy as it was, and I had stumbled across it on YouTube. It didn't even have my name attached to it. 
And I tell you, it's a surreal moment Mm. when you sit watching your 17-year-old self on the screen. You go, my my goodness, that's that's me. That's when I had the long curly hair and I had the ripped jeans and I... All of that, doing my stuff on the on the turntables. It was a surreal moment, I have to say. Wow. So how did you look? How did you feel? <laughs> well, you know what? There was something that there was there was a kind of pride in the sect looking at looking at what he was doing. Because I knew what the crowd didn't know. I knew that this was his first big risk. I mean, he's 17 years old. It's his first big risk. Here he is, he's performing in front of a crowd of hundreds in this huge nightclub. Uh, doing his seven-minute set, and you know, you're, you're taking one record and you're cutting into another one, and then you're yeah. playing with two copies sure. of the same record, and you're scratching, you're doing all these little tricks, and you know, technically it was quite good. There were problems, uh, but, but I could, I could see what they couldn't see, but I could also see that inside of him was more longing that he didn't yet know was about to be fulfilled. In fact. Only a year or two after that very night, uh, somebody with a capital S <laughs> was going to be walking into his life and actually giving him true fulfillment. Because mm. the following year after this video night, uh, I went into that uh, competition again. This particular night, the video night, I didn't get a, a position. The following year, I came runner-up in Queensland in my state. I was on my way to achieving that dream that I wanted to achieve, and it did nothing for me. It was perhaps the most loneliest night of my life. Hmm. And it was then just a few months after that that I started my my walk to faith. Okay. Wow. That's that wild. is a that it's a terrific perspective to have. You know, you as the the current Sheridan looking at the one who was, you know, not yet fully formed. And of course you can fast forward and think that when, you know, when we have reached glory, when we have met the Lord, then we look back at ourselves now and we think, Oh, what were we thinking? Right. Indeed. You know, so I was thinking to myself, what, what, what would I say to that kid yeah. if I could reach through the screen? Uh, and part of me would say, you should have gotten the braces. <laughs> One thing I really regret, I got the crookedest teeth ever. Uh, so you should have gotten the braces. But apart from that, you know, I think there's part of me that would have said, you know, your life is going to take a different path than what mm. you are planning. But don't fret, you're going to be in good hands. And you're mm. absolutely right, Kathy. What if the same thing was to happen today for the future us? It might be you know, the day before we pass to glory and we look back and maybe we see ourselves on the screen, we can reach through. What would that future self be saying to us now? Right. That's the next question, of course. Um, who are we becoming and what are the frets and the fears and the worries and the concerns that maybe are on our minds and our hearts and our shoulders now that maybe that future self wants to say, you know what, Sheridan, <laughs> You know, I'm talking to you from an 89-year-old perspective, and here you are, I'm talking to you as a 48-year-old now. Uh, that bit isn't as important mm-hmm. as this bit over here. Why don't you focus on this bit over here instead? Now, I don't know exactly what those bits are, but I guess that's the walk of faith, isn't it? That's, that's the journey of trust, yeah. is right. that in the midst of all of this, uh, we don't know the future. We don't know what our future self would say, but we, we follow him and we trust him that he really, really will give us the, the next steps and the next turns and you know the next set of traffic lights that we're to to take yes so so i wonder you know as you hear these the stories shared and that you tell so well 
that would you listen to yourself? <laughs> That's a very good question, isn't it? I mean, we get all these mixed messages from all over the place. And of course, we're always talking to ourselves. And would we have the wherewithal to go, wait a second. I mean, I don't you, you hear inner voices in your life, the Holy Spirit speaking to you or what, you know. So would we have the confidence to go, there is wisdom there. So you mm-hmm. must know that know. wisdom and I can appreciate that. What do you yeah. think, Kath? I don't know. I, I, I wonder if my, um, I wonder if my 17 year old self appreciated wisdom enough to take advantage of that. I don't I mentioned this on yesterday's show too, Sheridan, but um, I started watching this Netflix show at John's recommendation called dark. And it's a, it's a show that's made in Germany, three seasons long. And it is exactly about this subject. It's hmm. part of the storyline is that older versions of characters come and meet younger versions of themselves. Wow. And the question is whether the younger version is going to listen or whether they, whether they even can change, can you change the future? Can you change your older self? You know, if you were to meet, um, in a way that's outside of time. Anyway, so I've been thinking a lot about that lately, and I just don't have enough confidence in my 17-year-old self that I would even appreciate the difference enough to take the step forward and say, okay, I'll, I'll do that instead of this. Yeah. Boy, you've really got me thinking myself now. I wonder whether if my 17-year-old self had heard you know, my 40-something-year-old self, whether he just would have been completely disappointed because mm-hmm. actually this was messing with his dream as a 17-year-old. And to actually say, well, you know what, actually, the, 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 the path is going to be slightly different to that. You're not going to go in that direction. You're going to be, there would have probably been a sense of disappointment and maybe I wouldn't have liked to have heard that. And yet, of course, on the other side of that was much more deeper fulfillment than the path that I was taking. So you're absolutely right. Would we have heard? Would we have listened? What about you, John? Would you, would you listen to that? Well, let me break it. Let me break in and say just, was it yesterday, John, you posted a photograph of yourself when you were what? How old? I was 21. Okay. So you were, we were, we were all just looking at that picture yesterday. What do you think? Well, I think when I was 17, I was so hungry for someone to put their arm around me and affirm that and to tell me it was going to be okay. And there, there was an absence of that in my life. I mean, you know, um, and I think that's probably typical of of a lot of young, Mm -hmm. of young people. So I think I would have been open to hearing some a good word, whether I would have agreed with it or not, or listened to it or not, but that had been another story. But I, I just think myself, and I'm sure you, and we are in some ways a vestiges of who we were at 17. Sure. And so here we see ourselves now in mid-age, and you know the three of us are having a conversation live on the radio. There is some value and some worth and some depth there. Except you're not an actor now, and at that time your whole what your whole career focus, like Sheridan was saying, was that you were going to be an actor. I'm not even sure about that. I just think I was looking for someone to Hmm. open a philosophical or spiritual or just a door to say, I see this and push you along the way. Mm. And so John, at what age did that philosophical theological conversation happen who who came into your life that finally gave it to you and, and how old were you when it came <laughs> yeah uh i was living in new york city and uh i was just out of my mind sheridan i was an addict and an alcoholic and um uh, i was 30 years old and had wasted a lot of talent and a lot of time 
until finally, I mean, a ton of bricks fell on me and I, I, I just fell to my knees and surrendered. Wow. It took a lot of suffering to get to that point. And I don't know if that 17 year old would allow mm-hmm. that, you know, suffering to go by the wayside. I was more intent on, you know, the thrill, the chase, the rush, the excitement of all that. And I think, you know, a, a lot of wise people would kind of would shake their head and go, yeah, thanks for that. But I'm doing this instead. That's yeah. just wild youth abandoned. Yeah. 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 My goodness. So where my thoughts are now going with all of this conversation too is that there is part of us today that is still a little bit of that 17-year-old. I mean, the, the tricks that I was doing on those turntables that night, I know have actually filtered to some degree into my writing where I do like to be creative. I like to stop something, put it on pause, then pick up another story and then come back to the original story. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, that's why I weave things through. And I wonder whether, you know, for, for you, Kathy, and for you, John, as part of that 17-year-old, maybe for you, John, <laughs> that 30-year-old, in terms of those experiences, redeemed, <laughs> recycled, that has gone into making us something of who we are now. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, I totally agree with that. Completely agree with that. Now, let me bring in, you know, the, um, I don't remember where it is. I mean, the ideas in the great divorce, but he probably talked about it somewhere else. C.S. Lewis talked about the idea that the, the more sanctity might've even been a mere Christianity, that the more you, you progress along your sanctification road, knowing God better and you becoming holier and that as you get closer to him you become more of yourself Mm -hmm. that you become more who you were intended to be and so by the time we meet god we will be more of who we were supposed to be initially than we are now or that way were way more than we were when we were 17 that's a good word oh i love that yeah i do because if it's the godly Kathy, the godly John, mm-hmm. the godly Sheridan that we are meant to be, then that is where ultimate contentment, fulfillment right. is going to be found in us being the us that we are supposed to be, which is the Christ-like us. Um, I'm just preparing actually to speak a, a, a keynote message for for an organization, and they've given me this word on contentment. And the more am I thinking about it, I'm going where you're going with that, Kathy, and the fact that contentment is us being the Christ shaped yeah. us mm-hmm. because if you are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, that takes away a lot of negative things. We right. will be content. We will be whole and we will be more like us, the us that we're supposed to be. Yeah. And yeah. that's where all the fun is really. I mean, for like John saying what he pursued when he was a kid, what I pursued, what you, I mean, all of that, but the, the real fun in life, the real joy in life is when you open yourself up to what God has for you. I mean, it's right. just, that's just the truth of it. Yeah, so, so what I missed, though, and I know that we're probably running out of time, but I want to know, what were you doing as a 17-year-old, Kathy? Oh, what was I doing as a 17-year-old, Sheridan? I was very, I, I was, I was very certain of everything. I was probably a very annoying person to be around. I was, pro- <laughs> I was a finger wagger. Um, I had a lot of very uh, strident beliefs in what was right and wrong and how a Christian should act and how you yeah. shouldn't act and what you should believe and not believe. And um I was probably a real killjoy for the first 30 years of my life. (laughs) I'm glad you relaxed. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, there was just a lot, there was a lot of legalism going on, you know, 
thank yeah. God he rescued me from a lot right. of that. Okay, but so. don't you, I mean, I, I think often, maybe every day, I look at myself in some ways as that 17-year-old. I have to go back to that. I'm grateful for where I am now as a man, but I still hold those tendrils of fear, anxiety, oh, self-destructiveness, yeah. oh, yes. all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So we're always on a journey. I mean, my early 20s, uh, I was full of anxieties. And I also, when I became a Christian, I then also went a little bit down Cappy's line as well. And uh, I'm glad I've kind of moved away from that too. So gosh, isn't it great? We're on a journey. Yes. We're all becoming somebody yes. else. We're yes. becoming the, yeah. the, the the true godly us that we've been called to do. And mm-hmm. we'll take a few steps back some days and a few steps forwards other days. But Thank God we're not in control anymore. Indeed. Sheridan, before you leave us, take a moment. If people want to follow you, find out more about you, be part of uh, what you're doing, where can they go? SheridanVoise.com. And that's V for victory, O-Y, S for Sam, E-Y. It's not the most easiest name, but generally there's only one of me out there, (laughs) SheridanVoise.com. Sheridan, listen, when the uh, the vaccines are in place and uh, the international restrictions are lifted, you're going to open up your door someday and John and I are going to be standing there. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. We said you that. know, we've got one spare bedroom, but what we can do is also set up a spare bed in the lounge room downstairs. Oh, so on the John, street. it's Oxford. How dangerous John's... can it be? Oh, I did watch <laughs> Endeavor. True. It seems like there are a lot of murders there. I am concerned. Oh, that's right. Around the corner. Yeah, there's some real problems. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, we'll, we'll stick John outside. You can get the spare room. And, <laughs> that's fine. And, and Rupert the dog will keep one of you warm. That's for sure. You'll be fine. Nice. Well, Sheridan, friend, always a pleasure. Congratulations to you and your wife. Yeah, a major day, day in the Voisia household. Excellent job. Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, Kathy. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Come back. We've got much more ahead. We're just getting underway. This is an odd day in history. 40 years ago, something happened. We'll talk about that next. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers, Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. St. Jude. 
continue to advance by increasing cure rates in childhood cancer. And donors are important to us because you get the feeling that you have a team behind you. When it comes to research and advancements, there are some things that only we can do because we have the resources and we have the focus. And so if St. Jude doesn't do it, who will? St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. We'll see overcast skies tonight with a low of 29, mostly cloudy tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 40. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 30. Thursday, we'll have times of clouds and sun. We'll reach a high Thursday of 45. Clear skies Thursday night, low 30. Friday, sunshine giving way to increasing clouds. It'll be mild with a high of 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Forty years ago tonight, I was sitting in my apartment in luxurious Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those two of, words have, have never actually been put together before. Right. I was at the Saybrook Apartments, which were on Hamlet Street. Okay. Um, and it was around the corner from the S&B Deli. Now, they sure. both are gone. Both are gone. The apartments burned but to Hamlet the ground. Street, Hamlet Street's still there. Hamlet Street's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, some way. But uh, I was watching Monday Night Football. I mean, you know, not a lot has changed in in 40 years. I'm still watching Monday Night Football. But I remember watching Monday Night Football and Howard Cosell came on the air and announced that John Lennon had been shot and killed outside of the Dakota apartment buildings in New York City. Now, um, Kath, we've agreed to disagree on this. I grew up in a household, uh, the sixth child of seven, and our household was a flutter always from the time that I can remember with talk and music of the Beatles. So I was a big Beatles fan. And that moment, I remember very clearly, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. Uh, Do you have any recollection of that time 40 years ago? I don't. I was pretty young at the time and I, you know, wasn't into the Beatles. And so I don't, it's funny because I remember when Elvis died and I was even, I was, I was younger when I think I was in first or second grade when Elvis died. Um, So, but I don't remember, I don't remember John Lennon's death. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you might imagine, of course it was worldwide news. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, John Lennon was only 40 years old when he was murdered. Uh, the, the assassin waited patiently for him a few hours earlier, had gotten an autograph from John Lennon outside of the the, uh, apartment building, the Dakota. And, um, I mean, say what you will. Um, I I know that a lot of people can look at John Lennon and wag their finger and say, you know, this and that about him, but the, the impact he's had on millions of people's lives. I mean, it's, yeah, it is unquestionable. I mean, yeah. 
So today's a weird day. And of course, in New York City, um, outside the, uh, the apartment building and of course in um, Central Park, there is a portion of Central Park now, which is called Strawberry Fields. Of course, it's you know famous after one of the Beatles songs and people gather there and sing and light candles. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, an old hippie fest in some way. Right. But, you know, it's a it's a moment to remember this day of passing for John Lennon, mm-hmm. one of the, certainly one of the seminal figures of the 20th century. Boy, I enjoy following one of his sons on Instagram. Oh, Sean. Oh, my gosh. Is he Sean was great... five years old when Listen, that happened. Is that right? Yeah. Well, he is a great follow on Instagram. Talk about an in- truly an independent thinker. Yeah. On Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. right? What did I say? On Instagram. Oh, not Instagram. I'm sorry. It is Twitter. He yeah. So it's terrific. He is. He is great. I mean, it's really unexpected. Yes. Because you would think, oh, son of John Lennon, some right. spoiled multimillionaire. Yeah. But he's fabulous. Yeah. And uh, I would say in many ways he has conservative leanings. Oh, but he yeah. also, you know. He, but he's a free thinker. He's, he's not, a free thinker. He's not held by uh, a party or an ideology. Right. He really isn't. He's just kind of interested in hearing about things and listening to people. And I don't, I think he's fascinating. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Sean Lennon on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I was reading about that today. And someone said, you know, uh, in this day and age, John Lennon would have been excellent on Twitter because he was a pithy one liner mm. guy as well. Oh, yeah. And of course, his son carries that same uh, yeah. same thread into his bloodstream. Yeah. And speaking of the entertainment world, John, we we talked last week about Stevie Nicks selling the entirety of her um, song catalog. I don't remember who she sold it to, what company she sold it to. But then news comes that Bob Dylan done the same thing, sold his entire song catalog to Universal. Yeah, how about that? So Bob Dylan's 79 years old. Uh, They estimate somewhere in the neighborhood of over 300 million plus dollars, could be more. But so that's a weird thing, right? uh, Aging rockers have reached the point where they're saying, I'm pretty much done. I just want to cash in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the big thing, what I'm reading about is that it's easier for the heirs of the estate to settle things quickly instead of being tangled up in, you know, radio airplays and Spotify, all that whole thing. So it's kind of like a one felt swoop. You cash out, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Well, there's another person, you know, I, I've all, we were talking about the Beatles earlier for people who've listened to the show, you know, that I am not a Beatles fan, not even in any way, shape or form, but I thought they were great songwriters. I like Beatles songs when they're done by somebody else. That's the same with Bob Dylan. I love like, Bob Dylan. I, oh, John. I love Bob Dylan. Oh, oh gosh. He's the poet of our time. He's fine. I mean, I appreciate his poetry, but I can, I would, uh, his singing is absolutely the worst. Well, it's beside the point. I mean, really, the singing is one I mean, one he thing. was a vocalist, so it does seem like it right. should be well, part of the point. Well, anyway, I don't know. I'm sorry you missed that. I can't believe I that we're so far away from that, that I'm I love sorry. the Beatles and Bob Dylan, and you like, you know, you turn up your nose at both of that. It's hard. I also made split pea soup for dinner, which is my favorite. Which is the worst. It's like cream corn in a soup. It's not. It's nothing. It's like the same texture. Corn. It's not. It, that texture is it's so not. weird and funky. It's not. Anyway, you only hear it here. The Beatles, Bob Dylan, and Split Pea Soup on the ride home. We'll take a break. Come back. Um, The God Who Takes His Time, an Advent Meditation. That's next here on the ride home. In Sunday schools, every week, children are taught and taught and taught again the fundamentals of Christianity. 
such a vital exercise for young minds. But you know, even veteran Christians can benefit from a review of the fundamentals of Christian living. That's the thought behind John MacArthur's study this week. Join him as he takes you back to basics on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods, then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm-fresh catering from the Springhouse. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. This November, here's to the straggly mustaches, the lopsided ones, the oddly sexy ones, the itchy, patchy, raggedy ones, the peach fuzz ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the scruffy ones, the black, blonde, red, and gray ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Learn more at Movember.com. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. We've been talking about Advent these uh, last couple of weeks. Our next guest will continue that conversation is David O. Taylor, his assistant professor of theology and culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. David's newest book is wonderful, really just an excellent, excellent book, Open and Unafraid, The Psalms as a Guide to Life. And David's here today to talk to us about an uh, Advent meditation. Hey, David, how are you? Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, John. appreciate it. Yeah, David, welcome back, and uh, Merry Christmas ahead of time, or Happy Advent to you. (laughs) Both. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's talk about this idea. Um, God wasn't in a hurry. uh, The scripture tells us that at the perfect time, um, Mm. Jesus Jesus came. So not one minute too early, not one minute too late. That that is is, uh, how it appears to be. Um, You know, it's easy to read scripture and then you collapse um 
you know, time and chronologies and spans of days and decades and centuries. <clears throat> but when you actually pay attention, there's an extraordinary amount of time that it takes for God to arrive on the scene and to do his work. And uh, I always find that that, that, um, that catches my attention. At least it, uh, it slows me down and uh, makes me wonder, what, what kind of God is it who takes so much time to do his good work? And you see that in Jesus' ministry. And I, I think that's why I appreciate Advent is this invitation to slow down and attend and to wait and to reckon with the fact that, that God does arrive, mm-hmm. but not always on the time scale that we would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, David, if anything, you know, as we've been going through this year of pandemic, and now we're all mm-hmm. waiting patiently or not for this uh, mm-hmm. vaccine, you know, I, I, I'm on pins and needles. And every day is, you know, I get anxious and, and, and try to uh, try to push that anxiousness away. But I, I know that, you know, Advent, this little Lent, I'm supposed to be doing something else instead of being anxious. And so I know that, you know, the the pandemic has taught me in many ways, you know, that God's timing is not necessarily my timing as anxious and unsettled as we can get. I mean, I think you're right. I I mean, I guess I would say that uh, waiting well doesn't come naturally to us as human beings, that we have to actually be taught and trained to wait. You know, you do with kids (laughs) all the time, whether it's for a meal or, vacation or seeing friends, you're constantly saying things like, it's going to happen, it's going to come, 10 minutes, do something while you're waiting, you know, all these things that that help form children. Adults need that. And and unless we're taught and trained, and I think the Advent, in particular in church calendar in general, are a way for us as Christians to be deeply formed in hope filled and faith filled waiting and the alternative is a faithless and a hopeless waiting which usually gets into, into trouble i think mm. i think the 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 time um that you brought up is uh, is oftentimes the challenge i had i'm not the kind of person um david who hears god talk to them often um it's, mm. i've only heard god say things to me very few times in my life Um, But I remember one time um, God saying to me, I'd been praying for something in particular um, that was just very, very vital uh, to me. Mm. And he said, he told me, he said, what you have prayed for, I am about to do. And I'm telling you, Mm. I heard that like it was, Mm. uh, it wasn't audible, but I would, I knew, Mm -hmm. I knew that all I can tell you is that that I knew it was him. Anyway, Mm. he was Mm. as good as his word but it took five years Mm. and uh, that, that that was such a lesson for me because when I heard that from God, I thought, Oh, so I'm about to do it. Like he's, I'm about to do to me means Mm. this is Sunday. Mm. So you're going to start that Monday or that's Mm going to happen on Monday. And it took five years and it was completely fulfilled, but that is a long time to me. It was a long time. Yeah. Right. Well, it seems to me that Advent is this little microcosm of the macrocosm of our life, that our entire life is full of experiences of waiting, you know, waiting for a job, waiting for a family, waiting to get to the store. Our whole life, you know, the very end, you know, is this 
narrative of waiting. And Advent is this beautiful invitation to immerse ourselves in a whole host of stories, you know, the nativity stories of Matthew and Luke that show us all the ways in which everything from Anna and Simeon, you know, to Mary and Joseph and uh, shepherds and, you know, wise men, they're all waiting. They're all anticipating. But waiting isn't merely a thought. You don't just think about waiting. You don't just feel waiting. You become disciplined. It's like a, an athlete. You know, you prepare to be a hope-filled, faith-filled, waiting kind of um, person. And I, don't, I, I see that all throughout the narratives, nativity narratives, Advent is a period that I can, you know, enter into fully once a year to say, gosh, how are my waiting muscles feeble mm. or deceptive? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, okay. So then, and it's true. I, I, I believe this in, in your piece, you do talk about the, the feebleness of our, of our waiting muscles. Yeah. So while, while you're waiting, David, then what are you, I, I mean, it's an odd question, but what are you doing to pass the time? So to speak, I mean, <laughs> is, is that even fair? <laughs> right. That's a great question. I was actually thinking about that to myself today. What do I do? <laughs> um, to be a hopeful, faithful rather than faithless, hopeless. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some of it's pretty straightforward business. You know, the Psalms talk at length about the work of meditation, which again isn't just cogitating, it's like gnawing on a bone. And so, what are we gnawing on? You know, what is it that we're chewing on like a dog on a bone while well, we're gnawing on things that are true about the character of God that we forget? Right? You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, in actual fact, I want a lot. And and unless I have this deep, deep sense that I have been gnawing on the truth that he is faithful, he is my shepherd, there's a good chance that I'll begin to believe that I live in an economy of scarcity, where I will always be wanting. Right? So I want to be meditating on these things, but I think Advent, in addition to meditating on who Jesus is, you know, who the Father, who the Spirit are, there's also a season of self-examination, you know, of, of penance and penitence, and what is the content of my heart? And that's not just me by myself, it's me with my wife, or me with friends, or my community saying, hey, I, I, I think I, I got some, some crummy, corrosive stuff in my heart. Would you help me process it so that I can wait well, and so that I will be protected from the temptation of reaching for false surrogates, um, you know, golden calves that may satisfy me uh, at some level, but ultimately be corrosive to my soul. Mm-hmm. Well, I really like that, um, that economy of scarcity. I wish we could get into that, David. Our time's just about up. Um, but, you know, maybe next time when you're here, we can talk more about what it mm. means um, to live a life if we believe that we do live in an economy of scarcity when it comes to God mm. and his character and promises, mm. or mm. if we don't. I think that's, right. wow, that could really change a lot of things. Um, David, thank mm. you for being here again. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you've written a beautiful yes, piece, The God Who Takes His Time in Advent Meditation, W. David O. Taylor. Listen, open and unafraid. The Psalms is a guide to life. Beautiful It's book. one of the top books of the year. Yeah. Please find out. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. 
Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-555-88. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-555-88. 800-555-88. That's 800-555-88. Community Tax. Who's your tax guy? As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of their lives. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep. And that's the whole point, right? Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Now, we know MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, but MyPillow has just announced that they are extending their 60-day money-back guarantee. That's right. Orders placed between now and December 25th will have the 60-day money-back guarantee extended through March 1st, 2021. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Call one 800 391 Promo code is WORD. That's 1-800-391-0954. Or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code WORD. Get the best night's sleep of your life. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. I consider not only my team members, but my patients, my family, and I miss them for quite a few months. Stock Family Dentistry would like to say... Welcome back. One of the biggest blessings I have received is to be able to use my talents and my passion to serve my community through our dental office. And I'm proud to say that we're doing it in a very safe way. We're finally back up to full speed. It's nice to be back with family. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Today's National Brownie Day. Who doesn't love a brownie? Hmm? I remember being a kid and like the first time that you were allowed to make something in the kitchen was, you know, like a a store-bought box of brownie mix. Right. It's kind of hard to screw that up. Easy peasy, right? Mm -hmm. But man, you put that in the oven and it comes out, you know, whatever, 20, 25 minutes later. It's so delicious. You feel like I made that. It is delicious. You have a, I, you have a brownie I, recipe? Oh, well, I, I do have a brownie recipe. There's one thing I, I really appreciate a chip in there. A chocolate, a chocolate chip. chip. Yeah. I really like that texture addition in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I, 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 think, know, I think it's better. That. Really? <laughs> I think it's better. I also appreciate the, um, 
the ice cream on top with the chocolate sauce. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. One thing good. you need if you're eating a brownie is more yeah. calories. How about, do you put the fudge in there? little fudge brownie? I think a fudge brownie is a little too much of a good thing. See, now I would go for the fudge brownie and not for the chocolate chip brownie, right? Really? Why? Because yeah. you like the gooey thing? Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think I'd do that. I think I'd be happy to just have... Or- I mean, how about a mint brownie? No, no. Yeah, no, no. that's good. Hmm. I, I that's Caramel? that's too much. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But see, here's a problem: when you make like a tray of brownies, yeah, I want to eat the whole dang tray. Yeah, I know it's a real right? problem. It is a real do. problem. I haven't made brownies in years for good reason. Do you ever make brownies from scratch? I always make brownies. Oh, jeez. See, I got a box of brownie mix down in the... In the oh, that's way got, too easy. Don't do it. I don't it. care. It don't tastes it. great. Happy National Brownie Day. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Speaking from the White House on Operation Warp Speed, President Trump says his executive order will ensure the coronavirus vaccine is prioritized for Americans before it is sent overseas. The summit featuring many officials, Chief Science Advisor Monsef Slawi wants to immunize the entire U.S. population by the end of June. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is entering the final phase of review by U.S. government regulators on Thursday. A group of independent experts will review the FDA's findings and vote on whether to recommend use of the vaccine. U.S. productivity increased at a solid 4.6% pace in the July-September quarter, slightly below the initial estimate. Steady gains throughout the day delivered another round of record highs on Wall Street that now gained 104 points. The Nasdaq up 62, the S&P ahead 10. This is SRN News. I'm jealous of Santa's special skills. The guy has as many advantages as he has Lego sets. He's hitting over a billion chimneys in a single night, while I can't remember the last time my eyes saw past midnight. He's got the support of his eight magical reindeer, while I'll be leaning on the support of the good people at Amazon. Santa uses his advantages to deliver happiness and joy. And while our faith and family mortgage team is led by my father and not a very shiny nose, we too are lucky to have a special advantage that delivers our version of happiness and joy to you. And that is our direct lender advantage. Our team is part of a company that uses its own money and makes its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We our United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. 
You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ. And our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody to Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Send wishes of joy and love to those on your mind and heart this season with free online cards at CrossCards.com. It only takes a minute to personalize and send a CrossCards.com e-card that will brighten the holiday season for family and friends. From scripture-inspired cards to heartfelt messages, even party invitations, CrossCards.com makes it easy to let others know you're thinking about them this Christmas. Celebrate the most wonderful time of the year with free cards at CrossCards.com. We'll see overcast skies tonight with a low of 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 40. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 30. Thursday, we'll have times of clouds and sun. We'll reach a high Thursday of 45. Clear skies Thursday night, low 30. Friday, sunshine giving way to increasing clouds. It'll be mild with a high of 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour. There was a meeting with the uh, Pittsburgh Planning Commission to talk about the hopeful entrance of Target store Mm. into the first floor of the former Kaufman's Department Store on Smithfield Street. Um, this is a good news. I would hope the Target's going to come in, and uh, nationally, oh, yeah. uh, the Target, the Target um, Corporation, which is based in Minneapolis, that says uh, if this would be a go-ahead, it would be one of the smaller urban stores, generally one fifth the size of a typical wow. suburban Target store. Okay. However, the first floor of Kaufman's is some twenty thousand square foot of space. So, so what are they going to do with the balance? What, upstairs? Yeah. Oh, that poor building. That building has been in a mess since so, Macy's left. I know. I and mean, it's just been one thing to another. The last thing I read was that it was going to be a skating rink on top. <laughs> Don't remember skating. that one? Yeah, right. that was a real thing. Well, that always feels like a Hail Mary. They don't know what to do. Oh, let's put a skating rink on top of there. How about a swimming pool? You know, I, I don't know. Um, it's a shame. Boy, anybody who, you know, would go downtown and have uh, the Kaufman's windows as part of their Christmas tradition to see the building sitting there. Now um, there are, however, I, I do, I do know this. There are people living upstairs in the Kaufman's building. The, uh, the building has been sold several times. But like random people like no, you no, and no. I could go live there. No, there are apartments there. 
but apparently the apartments were designed and constructed so poorly that the residents have filed suit against the owners of the building. Oh, so that is such a heartbreak to me because when I, I don't know for all you people who are listening, you're driving home or, you know, maybe making dinner, um, putting the stuff on the table. If you grew up in Pittsburgh, did you think that Kaufman's was ex- was as exotic as I did? Oh my! I mean, gosh. I thought it was so classy. It yes. was so elevated. Mm-hmm. Kaufman's was everything that was big and adult. Yes, about the city of Pittsburgh. Yes, really. And and downtown, you know, when you went up, first of all, when you walked in, and all of the like the whole cosmetic section, it was mm-hmm. like it was just like fell out. It was it was like a roll of wrapping paper that just unrolled in front of you. And then those escalators over to the left that took you into unknown oh. glorious places. Oh. I mean, yes. that be. Yeah. How about the old it. wooden elevator? Remember the, the old what? wooden elevator? The wooden elevator that went from the mezzanine to the second floor. Oh yeah, that little the short one. Yeah. I love that. That was my favorite one. Me too. Right. Yeah. When I used to work downtown, I would go sometimes to the uh, bookstore. I think the bookstore was like on the ninth floor. And then right next to the bookstore, there was like a little pizza place. So you could, you know, peruse the books and then eat a couple of pieces of pizza on your lunch hour and then go back to work and feel fulfilled. It was so great. Yeah, it really was. Uh... I mean, and of course, every year, I think, you know, how many thousands of families did this? We would go downtown, the entire Hall family, all nine of us, and press our little grubby faces against the glass and look at the Christmas displays. It was like David were, Copperfield hits oh, the big city, right? <laughs> it was otherworldly. I couldn't believe that that was, you know, I could be part of that. Oh. So, yeah, I mean... Let's hope that uh, the building is occupied. Of yes. course, it will never come back to its former glory. And, you know, that's what's, I mean, I love Target, but it's Target fine. in Kaufman's is just such a come down. Hey, listen, at this point, I'd settle for a CVS. Yeah. Just I put know. something in there. I know you're right. You know, I mean, you know, they got CVSs and Rite Aids on every corner in downtown Pittsburgh. So you think they'd be in there as well. Do, do you remember going downtown and Christmas shopping? Oh, uh, I remember going downtown. And soaking in Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was more than Christmas shopping. It was like the the immersive experience. Yes. Yeah. But here's uh, what's interesting. I remember doing that when I was a little kid, you know, doing the windows and everything. And then I never, I was never really downtown. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a, um, like an, a, a societal issue in Pittsburgh that, that, or I just was too busy. My parents didn't take me or whatever, but from the time I was in junior high, high school, college, I was never downtown. Really? No. Yeah. I kind of like lived downtown. Yeah. Well, of course you went to point park, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in high school, it was always just a quick bus ride away. It was, you know, a place to go to shoot photography and hang out. Of course I went to school there. I lived on the North side, you know, downtown. I worked downtown um, for many years, so, I mean, it breaks your heart to go downtown now. Of course, any urban area with the pandemic is, you know, a ghost town. But hopefully better days are ahead for downtown Pittsburgh. They no, I don't know. Up. I sure as heck hope so. For all the people that are living there, I, I, I continue to ask, where do you grocery shop? Because there's no place to grocery shop downtown. You go in the strip. Do you go right. in the strip? Well, yeah, but you're you're walking quite a distance if you're going to the strip, and you're are you really walking back with all your groceries? No, or do you Uber out to where Ross Shady Park. Side, Ross Shady Side, or McKnight Road, or something yeah, like right. that? I don't know. There's just there's some interesting, um, 
you know, things at work post the, in COVID and post COVID where people are moving away from cities and people are looking more for suburban areas. I was just reading a couple articles yesterday online about how people are really anticipating real estate to turn a huge corner in the next six months. And people are going to be, you know, the, the pandemic is going to be ending, but people are going to say, you know what? I really live too close to people here in the city. You know, this whole idea really? of living at the same place where I can walk down the street and go to the dry cleaner. I'm not really into that anymore. No kidding. Yeah. See, now I feel the opposite about yep. that. I would live downtown if if you if you could live downtown and have like a balcony space so that you could go outside. I'd live downtown easily. Right. Well, let me tell you the it is shocking when you see the trends that are going going on nationwide. People leaving cities. Well, there's a lot to be said about your backyard, right? You and I don't live in the city anymore. <laughs> No. Well, a lot of people want to do the same thing that we yeah. did, I think. I don't know. But I think as you get older, you like to have amenities close to you. And well, here's the thing. I feel like, you know, I, I am so privileged. I feel so blessed to live where I live because I can be in the city in less than 10 minutes, but I'm not living in the city. Right. And I think that to me, that's the best. That's the best. I mean, I don't think I'd be happy living 40 minutes away from the city. I think that would make me feel too Cut off. removed from what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, Pittsburgh's a great city that we have so many options in that regard. So three cheers for Pittsburgh, except three cheers for Pittsburgh. except the Steelers need to rebound before Sunday night. Well, off. just hopefully target goes in there and downtown's revitalized in that Smithfield street corridor. And of course there's always the steakhouses and there's about 15 of those downtown as well. Let's take a break. Uh, models of evangelism. How do you feel when you are called to evangelize? We'll talk about that next the ride home with John and Kathy. One hundred one point five WORD. Ahead on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll talks about honoring God in our occupations. If in fact you spend eight to nine tenths of your life at the office or in the car doing your work, surely God's Word has something to say about it. And indeed it does. Study the Bible with Chuck Swindoll, Monday through Friday on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Still paying outrageous premiums for your health insurance? Or maybe you settled with a ministry plan, some short-term medical or limited benefit plan that lacks the coverage you need? This is Kathy Emmons for my friends at Marley Financial. Every agency offers the same stuff, well, except for Marley. Marley Financial now offers a unique ACA clone that looks, feels, and most importantly, acts just like a Blue Cross plan. In fact, it's even better. You can go to any hospital or facility anywhere in the country. They'll actually waive your deductible for inpatient and surgery. Does your plan do that? Plus, they can customize your plan to reduce your costs for the rest of your life. Contact Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496. You don't have to wait till open enrollment. 724-884-1496 or visit MarleyFG.com. Nobody does health insurance like Marley. 724-884-1496. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded 
reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. Hi. I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henney Jewelers. Your jewelers for life. Timeless wisdom, encouraging proverbs, and powerful promises. At BibleStudyTools.com, we aim to provide the best free resources for knowing the Word of God and applying its powerful truths to your life. Use BibleStudyTools.com's daily Bible verse for inspiration as you start each day. Find powerful verses on more than 300 topics that relate to your life's challenges and needs. Verses to encourage your soul, lift your spirit, and strengthen your faith. Visit BibleStudyTools.com. That's BibleStudyTools.com. As America sits at a standstill, God is calling His people to action to spread hope, light, and truth. If you've ever felt the tug to share your story by writing a Christian book, now is the time to embrace the stillness and put pen to paper. Join us now at ChristianAuthors.com, where we're linking arms with believers to heed the Great Commission and get Christian books into the hands of readers. That's ChristianAuthors.com, where we're amplifying truth to see lives changed. Get your free guide to Christian publishing today at ChristianAuthors.com. Election fraud, radical abortion rights. Open borders, riots in our streets, and regime changes in other nations. Meet George Soros, an atheist and one of the most dangerously influential people in America, pouring millions of dollars into the leftist agenda, instigating society's demoralization to control a free people and destroy the foundations of Christianity and our constitutional order. Watch the new film, Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com. See the movie that George Soros and the far left don't want you to see. Learn the truth and prepare to be shocked. Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com for just $9.99 or buy the DVD for just $12.99. Go to SalemNow.com and get 20% off with the promo code FAMILY. SalemNow.com. Promo code FAMILY. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we'd love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. She could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the word Pittsburgh skill. And after she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the word Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. Word 101.5. I had a friend who would regularly go out on a 
evangelistic junkets, which would mean he would start his day and he had some tracks that he'd put inside of his coat pocket, but he would go out and like, you know, go to the dry cleaners, talk to the dry cleaner. Hey, here you go. He would just, whoever he met, whoever he encountered, the guy at the lunch counter, someone walking down the street, whatever, that was his whole primary purpose all day, every day to evangelize. Well, Dr. Priscilla Pope Levison is with us. Dr. Pope Levison is Associate Dean for External Programs, Professor of Ministerial Studies at Perkins School of Theology. She's the author of several books, including the award-winning Building the Old Time Religion, Women Evangelists in the Progressive Era, and has received multiple Lilly and Louisville grants to pursue academic scholarships. But her newest work, which we're going to talk about today, very excited about, called Models of Evangelism, Priscilla Pope Levison. Dr. Levison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Please call me Priscilla. It's a mouthful to say everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Priscilla, we're happy to meet you. We've known your husband, Jack, for a long time, and he's just really dear to us. And so it's a a pleasure to meet the rest of the family. Well, thank you. He has so enjoyed being on your show several times now. Yeah. Well, Priscilla, um, we're again, we want to welcome you. And this looks like a, a, a terrific project that you've invested so much uh, thought and energy in putting together. Uh, let's start at the start of your book. Um, you tell stories about evangelists, about people who um, were insistent about sharing the gospel from all different uh, cultures, from different economic places, different genders, you name it. Talk about why you began your work in that way. Well, actually, that was Jack's idea, for which I'm very grateful, because Mm. I have done a lot of work recovering the history of evangelism, and particularly of women evangelists or people that we don't know much about. And I wanted to start there because I think one of the, one of the, uh, uh, I guess, objections, I should say, that stops people from evangelizing is they'll look at a Billy Graham or some Atella evangelist and they'll say, I can't be like that. That's not who I am. And therefore I can't evangelize. And so I wanted to start from the very beginning, from the first word, to try to, to break that uh, apart, to say that all of us, no matter whether we're female, male, black, white, Hispanic, you know, Roman Catholic, Protestant, doesn't make any difference. We can all be evangelists. Yes. Okay. So Priscilla, um, obviously this is a, a subject that's very near and dear to your heart to evangelize. And I, I would say that in some ways you writing about evangelization is a form of evangelism. So as you personally, when you're out in the world, how do you choose to evangelize? Well, I think, first of all, who we are, how we live, the choices that we make, the integrity that we hopefully embody, all of that begins and I think um, uh, enhances evangelism. And so I would say to anyone, and there are many of us who are afraid or even maybe um, uh, negative about evangelism, the first thing we can do is to look at our own lives. Are we hospitable to strangers? Are we 
Uh, do we have, are we ready with a message um, to communicate to people? Is there integrity in the way that we're living our life? All of that plays into who we are as evangelists. Okay. All right. So that hospitality idea, that's interesting. What about, um, what about recognizing that as much as we want to share the gospel or um, that we know we should share the gospel, that God, the Holy Spirit is the real engine for it? That's absolutely correct. Billy Graham talks about the Holy Spirit as the motivator for evangelism. Mm -hmm. And it's so true that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and converts. We can't make that happen. We can set the table. We can plant the seed. uh, We can encourage. We can exhort. But in the end, it is the Holy Spirit, as it was with with me and you and um, all who have experienced conversion, who brings that to fruition um, within each one of us. The new book is called, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, John, Models of Evangelism. We're talking to author Priscilla Pope Levison. Priscilla, um, you talk uh, about, in one of the chapters, small group evangelism. Now, this is really something that's interesting to me because, you know, if you're in a small group, then that would mean that you're active in your local church, that you're surrounded by a community of believers. What is it about small group evangelism? How does that work? That's a great question, John. Small group evangelism is different from most any other kind of small group that you'd be a part of in a church or a retreat setting, anything like that. This is a small group that is specifically designed for the purpose of evangelism. So it would be, say, a team of two Christians who invite their friends or who are not believers or people they know from work or the gym or their neighborhood. And they're upfront about the invitation that this will be a six to eight week gathering of maybe up to 12 people for the purpose of either an evangelistic Bible study or talking about um, topics in our day from a Christian perspective. So the purpose is for evangelism. And once that group has run its course, so to speak, then it multiplies and starts one, two, or three additional groups. So it's it's not an ongoing small group okay. like a support group. It's a very different purpose from, from those. Okay, well, let me back up a little bit then, maybe to a, a broader perspective. And, and maybe I should have asked this first. I think one of the problems that Christians have is that they get into the, their Christian ghetto, and they don't even know people who aren't believers so that they could start a small group study where they could, that they could invite someone to. That's so true. And when I look at my friend group, um, most of them, if not all of them, are Christians. And so it does take from the very beginning um, a willingness to step out of that of your comfort zone and to begin to see with the eyes of God, or, or as we talked about the Holy Spirit, who is it that I'm not interacting with? Who are those people outside my group that might not know about the gospel? 
And so it takes that initial effort, those eyes, that, you know, ears to begin to tune in to those who are beyond our, um, our familiar people. Talking with Priscilla Pope Levison, her brand new work is called Models of Evangelism. Priscilla, one thing that's really interesting to me is when you look at, um, say, young Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses, you know, they'll go door to door. They'll knock on people's doors. There's a lot of that's a lot of courageousness, that that Mm -hmm. act of, you know, canvassing a neighborhood. Uh, For whatever reason, you don't see Christians doing that. Can you speak about that, about, you know, door to door visitation? Visitation, which is one of the models in the book, is an interesting one, and it's one that I had initially a lot of negative um, impressions about precisely because I, as I'm sure like you, have been, in a sense, the victim of people showing up on a Sunday afternoon (laughs) to, you know, to peddle their wares. And so, um, you know, I thought, oh, my goodness, do I really have to write on this? But it is an ancient model of evangelism that we see, you know, in biblical times and has certainly continued throughout church history. And so I took a deeper look at it. And I think there's an interesting way to combine visitation with acts of service. It also Mm. gets a church, and we were just talking about, it gets us beyond the church walls to see who is it in our neighborhood. I mean, a lot of churches exist now in neighborhoods that are very different from the church membership. And so there's almost an antagonism or a retreat. We're going to come to church, you know, uh, park in the parking lot and run in the church door. And Mm -hmm. what visitation does is it turns the focus outward beyond the church to say, who is it that we're living around and what are their needs and how can we begin to be hospitable to them. And that's where I think hospitality comes in. Yeah, that's a very different perspective, a very different take on that than the person who shows up Sunday afternoon, right? You know, linking it with acts of service, you know, puts it in, I don't know, it's not even comparable. Well, that's my twist on it. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, well, that's a, real, that's a really um, there, good I mean, there twist. There still I mean, is that component yeah. of visiting. So I think it's all a part of getting to know people who are um, people we don't know and getting, you know, you still do, you can still do the door to door, but it's asking questions of, you know, what is your, do you have a religious affiliation? Do you even know that our church exists down the block? And I think there's a way, uh, maybe I've tried to rescue visitation because I think it's, it's a valid form of evangelism that could be really vital in our increasingly isolated time mm-hmm. of life. Well, I'll tell you, we haven't even dipped our toe into all that is in this new book. Uh, Priscilla, thank you so much for this, for being with us today, for your incredible work in this. It's called Models of Evangelism. We've been speaking with author, author Dr. Priscilla Pope-Levison. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much.
If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a Help at Home caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home, 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas. As America sits at a standstill, God is calling His people to action to spread hope, light, and truth. If you've ever felt the tug to share your story by writing a Christian book, now is the time to embrace the stillness and put pen to paper. Join us now at ChristianAuthors.com, where we're linking arms with believers to heed the Great Commission and get Christian books into the hands of readers. That's ChristianAuthors.com, where we're amplifying truth to see lives changed. Get your free guide to Christian publishing today at ChristianAuthors.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. We'll see overcast skies tonight with a low of 29, mostly cloudy tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 40. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 30. Thursday, we'll have times of clouds and sun. We'll reach a high Thursday of 45. Clear skies Thursday night, low 30. Friday, sunshine giving way to increasing clouds. It'll be mild with a high of 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This makes sense. This what makes sense? The naming of hurricanes, John. Now we have uh, tornadoes. We have tsunamis, earthquakes. They just happen. They get like a numerical rating based on severity. 
and then you know the scientists move in and then the care workers move in should that be necessary if it's a major disaster but nothing gets a name for some reason in the hurricane subculture it's personal right well i'm not quite sure about the history of naming to the hurricanes but i think it does make sense and that you know especially now in the modern day world people go oh the hurricane emma you know and you sort of own it mm-hmm. and so then years after the fact you'll go remember hurricane emma so it places itself in everyone's sure. time frame so to me yeah. it makes sense yeah but doesn't someone want to own a tsunami well, tsunami, you never know it's coming. That's the scary thing about a tsunami. Well, right? I think most people don't know a hurricane's coming either. No, no. You know a hurricane's coming. No, it depends on where you live. Depends on what's going on. And a lot of people who've had major disasters happen because they didn't know a hurricane was coming. Well, I guess I mean, more. Now, I guess that's more the case with the tornado, right? You're right. Yeah. Most people do know a hurricane's coming. I mean, I'm grateful we don't live in hurricane country. Yeah, me too. But I do appreciate naming them. It well, makes sense to me. Okay, well, I don't know if it makes sense, but I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you call an earthquake, a, you know, 6.9 or 7.8. I mean, it's clinical. Yeah. But a hurricane, you can kind of, you know. It's a personality to it. Yeah. Okay. So hurricane naming does like make it. sense. Mm-hmm. Right, does this make sense? You're on a trip. Remember the days you used to travel and you'd go overseas. And, you know, I don't know the language. So what am I going to do? I'm going to pull out my phone and I'm going to use Google Translator. Oh, yeah. And so I would say in my Google Translator, hi, how are you? And it would come out like, do you like dried peanuts? Right. <laughs> to me, I always thought, you know, the promise of tech was here, yeah. but it never made sense. No. I looked like an idiot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Look, I've tried Google Translate in every foreign country I've ever been no. in. And about 70% of the time I fall flat. Right. I'd just rather have the guidebook in front of me. Right. No, I agree. You know when it works, though? The only time I really like it is when I'm looking at a menu. Oh, really? If you hold up your phone to the menu, it'll actually, it it, it transforms into English in front of you. Interesting. But the other thing, you're right. No, it doesn't. To have a conversation? No, it doesn't. That doesn't make sense. Okay, so naming the hurricanes makes sense. Mm -hmm. Google Translator in a foreign country? That doesn't make sense. WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. Everything about redemption, about salvation, is a gift of God. It's God's grace. It's His goodness and love and mercy. It has nothing to do with anything good on the inside of us or anything that we have done or ever will do. It's all God's love, goodness, and mercy. Hear the series, The Truth About Grace, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. 
Trinity Jewelers, Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Who do you trust? It might be fair to say it's a pretty short list, as well as it should be. And in this weird and fractured age, it's a good question to ask yourself, who do you trust? Faith and family are important, bedrocks to most of us, gratefully so. So when you're thinking of your money, the hard work that went into you earning your living, turn to those who also know, love, trust, faith, and family. That's the family from United Faith Mortgage. I'm not saying they're perfect. They're like the rest of us. They show up and try to move things forward every day in faith with family. So if you're thinking about a mortgage, refinancing, cash-out refinancing, then you've got to look at the good family at United Faith Mortgage. Look for them online, unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330, Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, President of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at City Mission and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Well, no one trusts pollsters anymore because the last several elections have been an absolute mess. When we talk about masks, I mean, that's a mess as well. Nobody trusts uh, clinicians who say that they work because people the say va- they don't work. The vaccine information, are you going to take it or not? Well, no one, it's a mess. I mean, what about information? I mean, this we're supposedly in the information age, right? It just feels like it's a mess. Well, Brett McCracken's back with this. Brett, senior editor at the Gospel Coalition, author of Uncomfortable, The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community. Uh, he writes regularly at the, the Gospel Coalition website, which we love and would recommend that deeply. But he wrote a piece called 2020 Proves We Don't Need More Informa- Information. We Need Something Else. Mm-hmm. Well, Brett, welcome back to the show. What the heck do we need? <laughs> we need wisdom. This is something else that that title is uh, referring to. So, yeah, the, the yeah. premise of the article is, that we live in the information age and we have more and more information than ever before at our fingertips, literally in our pockets on our phones. And yet I don't think anyone would say that we're more wise as a society than ever before. So it seems like there's a inverse correlation between more information at our fingertips and actually wisdom. Isn't that the truth? I mean, I know that for, uh, the position that you have for the positions that John and I have, we spend a lot of time online. I'm on, you know, Twitter yeah. a lot. We're looking to see what, you know, bloggers are saying, what reporters are saying, what opinion writers for uh, newspapers are saying. And, you know, there's not enough time in a day to get through all that I want to read before the show starts. It doesn't matter what time I start because it's just an infinite amount of information. And that's just for one day, yeah. right? So, it, yeah. 
But when it comes time to actually produce, so, you know, after the show's over, I sit down with my family and they say, so, you know, how'd the show go? You know, what's something you talked about? How many times can I not think of a thing? (laughs) Now that could, (laughs) that could indicate cognitive decline Yeah. or Or it's a bad show. For a bad show. <laughs> or it could just indicate the fact that just because I have I have taken in a lot of information doesn't mean I have gained wisdom from it. Right. Right. And in fact, I, what I have observed and what I've written about and um, what, what my next book is about is that with, with, with a lot of information, which is what we're experiencing, we're just we're swimming in information it actually has the opposite effect on our wisdom because it, it it literally inhibits our ability to think deeply and and critically. Uh, and science is actually showing this. Like our physically, our brains are being like sapped of the energy that they need for deep reflective thinking because they're spending way too much energy on constant information triage. Like our brains are looking at so much information on any given day coming coming our way on social media on the news on all these um, things that our brains are constantly like trying to figure out is this important like should i file this away is this true is this false is this trustworthy is this not and the the cumulative effect of it is we're all too exhausted <laughs> our brains are to, to actually spend the time to, to to synthesize information and to to critically evaluate it and to make connections. And that's the sort of thinking that you need in order to be wise. And, and so it makes sense that in an age of information overload, we're actually becoming less wise. Yeah. So then we've just become essentially processors. I mean, we're just, this stuff's running through us. We process it. And to the end result, I'm not really quite sure where it goes. I mean, I, I'm sure Brett, like you, like yourself and Kath, and I mean, on our bedside tables, I've got any number of books. I've got a stack of books and I go, yeah, I'm going to get to those. But when it comes time right. now for me to actually sit and, and remember the old days, you would sit for hours and enjoy a deep dive into reading. I rarely do that anymore. And I believe, and I'm sure mm-hmm. this is true, that my brain is somehow aged as it is, has changed, that I'm not able to deep dive anymore. And I, I mourn that. Yeah, no, it's and that's another thing that uh, science is actually showing is that in terms of reading books, um, the the internet age and the way that we process information on the internet, which is in kind of the short bite-sized chunks that are disconnected from one another, it's actually making it harder for us to process information in a book, which is you know mm-hmm. one extended idea taken over many pages we're so prone to want to like, we're so fidgety, right? We're so uh, addicted to novelty and kind of going from one thing to the next quickly. And I, I even find myself doing this when I sit down to read a book. I'm, I like read maybe five pages and then I'm like, okay, I need to uh, do something else. I need to go check social media or <laughs> watch a show or something. And it's so sad uh, to see that happening, even when you're aware of it, and even when you're intentionally trying to uh, avoid that. Mm-hmm. Right. Brett McCracken's with us. Uh, we're talking about 2020 proving that we don't need more information. We need something else. This is on uh, the Gospel Coalition website. All right, Brett. So what about um, the idea that information comes out so fast? And, you know, I've read yeah. enough to know that if 
you work for a news outlet, it's not important as much that you have accurate information as that you have information first. And boy, right. that talk about like complete de-evolution for human society. This is bad. It is bad. And I think the speed of the information age works against wisdom in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I've, I've been saying this, this quote recently that fortune favors the fast on the internet, but it doesn't favor wisdom. Uh, mm. And I think that's, that's true. Like media companies, whether it's a website or CNN or whatever, um, you get rewarded with clicks and with buzz when you're the first out with a news story, when you're the first to kind of break a story, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's been the most vetted story or it's been the most wisely kind of critically <laughs> evaluated story. And so if that's happening across the board in the media landscape where everyone is kind of incentivized to get out with their, their news and their stories and their commentary faster than they probably should, then we're all in trouble because we're all being fed information that's half-baked and isn't fully researched and vetted. And so it's no wonder that in, in COVID-19, which is already such a fast-moving, hard-to-understand, very complicated uh, you know, global disaster, it's, it, we can understand why people are not trustworthy of the, what the media is saying because they'll report one thing very quickly about one aspect of the pandemic or the latest study on this or the latest research on that. And then a month later, they'll report the opposite because a new study has come out that shows something different. And so we're, our heads are spinning by the pace of it all. And we're naturally less and less uh, trustworthy of, of what we're seeing. Yeah. Okay. So I think all of us can remember, you know, life pre-internet. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was only, you know, a decade or two away. But, you know, right. kids who are in, you know, school today or whatever, you know, who grew up with the internet, they would listen to this conversation and go, what are you guys talking about? You I mean, you're crazy old people. This is just the way it is, you know? And here we're, you know, we're talking about the dumpster fire. We see the dumpster fire. We're part of the dumpster fire. But for future generations, that's just going to be the status quo. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I was reflecting the other day on life kind of before the breaking news era. If, mm -hmm. if, you, if, you're, if you're of a certain age, you remember kind of when that like breaking news orientation started, where like everything all the time was breaking news. And it was really 9-11 in my life, in my lifetime. I feel like po post 9-11, the news landscape was, it shifted to being constantly oriented around like urgent breaking news to the point that you become addicted to like, what's the breaking news today? And, right. and the media knows that that gets, you know, eyeballs and clicks. But like, I remember growing up in, in the nineties when it wasn't as much about that. Like you, you watched the news one time a day, maybe, you know, yeah. the evening yeah. news or, or maybe like the today show in the morning right. or something like that. Uh, or you read the paper, like <laughs> Generation Z doesn't know what that is, but, you know, we used to like read the newspaper and in a slow kind of reflective posture. Um, and that's how we, we learned about the news. And so it's crazy to think about how things have changed. But but yeah. these days it's so 
it happens in real time. It's it's constantly coming at you from so many directions, um, and in in this like obsessive like frenetic mode of everything is urgent, everything is breaking. You need to click on this right. to to learn what the big story is this hour. Okay. Yeah, and it has implications. Um, you yeah. did you see the social dilemma, Brett? I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay, very so, disturbing <laughs> documentary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I read some article that says that it makes you want to throw your phone in the garbage and then your garbage can through the window of a tech executive, um, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. So when yeah. uh, when I watched it, there were so many things that were shocking and, like you said, disturbing. But the number one thing that really got to me was just the idea that based on your, you know, what you like online, the kinds of posts that you read, that your Google feed will be curated for whatever your perspective is. So we literally, we can't understand why the country is so polarized. We can't understand why some people are happy, are okay to wear masks and other people hate masks. And then that's just the first thing that popped into my head. But the, the reason is that everybody's Google feed, if you put in the same words, are going to come up with something different based on what you already like. So all we're doing is getting like internet echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big, another big difference between the media landscape today versus say the nineties, you know, with when for the most part we were, most of us were getting the same news or there are at least vastly fewer sources of news. So you could pretty much trust that, the news that you were getting was the same or similar to the news your neighbor was getting. That's not at all the case anymore because of what you're describing. Everyone opens their phone or their computer on any given day, and no two of us sees the exact same uh, news. The, the presentation of reality that each and every person sees is different from the next uh, in, in, ways, in ways that are targeted and kind of curated for your particular um, bent and <laughs> proclivities. Yeah. So it, it, it has this effect of creating these bubbles, like you said, where, you know, you begin to see reality in one way because everything you see on Facebook confirms that reality. Mm-hmm. But yeah. another person might see a different reality and, and become even more entrenched in their beliefs because right. everything they see in their feed you know, is proof of what they want to believe. So it's very frightening to, to see what is. Uh, that this is, is creating. Yeah. So then, Brett, um, you started off by talking about uh, we don't need more information. We need wisdom. Then as believers, how do we lean into that wisdom? What's the, what's the cure? Yeah, so this is, this is why I wrote my new book, The Wisdom Pyramid, which comes out in February. Um, so I'd love mm. to come back on the show to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, we'd love to hear about uh, it, sure. But essentially, my my kind of um, idea for how we solve this is it boils down to just more um, discernment in where we look for information and the sources that we can trust and what our, what our kind of diet of information consists of. And so if you remember the food pyramid visual of kind of the food groups that are conducive to a healthy diet. Um, I, I created a version of that called the wisdom pyramid, which has different sections of the pyramid that represent the most important sources of truth and the least important. So for example, the bottom layer of my wisdom pyramid, the most important food group, if you will, 
for information for Christians is the Bible. It's the, it's the only infallible, completely trustworthy source that we have. So it needs to occupy a, a foundational layer in our wisdom diet. Um, but then at Brett, the very I'm sorry, top Brett, I'm time, sorry, we need to cut you off only because of time. And uh, oh, okay. we do sorry. we do yeah. absolutely want to want to bring you back. We're excited yeah. about the new book called yeah. The Wisdom Pyramid. That's Brett McCracken. Find him on the Gospel Coalition website talking 2020 proves we don't need more information. We need something else. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build a bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your car insurance with Right Track, which rewards you for safe driving. As the world's most careful driver, that's perfect. Now applying two pounds of force for acceleration. You're really b- 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 turning in point three miles and begin a deceleration. With Liberty Mutual's Right Track, you could earn up to 30% savings based on how you drive. Sign up at libertymutual.com slash right track. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Discount on participating vehicles, base coverages only. Availability varies. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual. So you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. My daughter got whooping cough when she was only two months old. Her cough was so bad she couldn't breathe and she was in the hospital for nearly a week. Doctors told us that even though Mary Grace was too young to be vaccinated, we could have protected her by getting vaccinated ourselves. I'm Dr. Bill Schaffner of the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases. Adults need a booster vaccine to protect themselves and those around them from whooping cough. Ask about it the next time you're at your doctor's office or pharmacy. Visit adultvaccination.org. We started to stream hiatus we figured things out and um, we're back up and running again so you can find us at wordfm.com or on facebook or right on with john and kathy but it's weird to be sitting 
you know, in our spare rooms. I'm looking at Kath. I'm looking at Mike. And we're on Zoom. Here's the weird thing. All across the country, as people are living on Zoom, whether you're, you know, making your, your work about this or it's family time, plastic surgeon offices apparently are exploding with people who are dissatisfied with how they look. So they are storming the gates of plastic surgeons looking for neck, chin, and sure. nose work. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Absolutely. It's not weird at all. When you're looking at yourself, are you thinking you need to go see a plastic surgeon? No, I'm thinking that I don't like what I see, but it, I mean, I don't have enough finances to go the plastic surgery route, or I think I just feel weird about that. I think I'd like look down on myself for thinking like being too vain. You know what I mean? But of course I can totally see how plastic surgeons are loving life right now. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's different being a guy. Guys don't care about that. I don't care. what It is. You just sort of reach out and accept yourself at some point. Right. I mean, I know it's hard for a lot of women, you know, thinking about it's a lot appearance. Women, yeah. yeah, it is. So anyway, we're zooming. Uh, the Ride Home with John and Kathy. WordFM.com. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.